Hey, this is Dan Bergman. Welcome to the New to Jesus podcast. This episode is going to be a little bit different. We're going to break from our series in John for just a moment. And I want to share with you a sermon that I preached a while ago, but I get a lot of requests on Instagram for people wanting to know how they can grow in their faith, how they can grow in their relationship with Jesus. And so I want to give a couple of different points in this sermon to you to help you to think biblically, because there's power in thinking biblically. This sermon I've entitled, The Power of Biblical Thinking. And so the power of biblical thinking, you've probably heard the phrase, the power of positive thinking, okay? All of the uh, health and wealth, prosperity, or just in the secular world, you know, power of positive thinking. Um, That's not what I'm talking about tonight, okay? But in the secular world, they'll try and say, uh, be positive, be optimistic. And they, they, they wholly and completely separate that from the God of the universe. They completely and totally separate that from, from God's word. And what's interesting is the Bible. God has the market cornered on how we should think and how thinking like Christ, how thinking like God wants us to think in his word will change our lives, absolutely, completely change our lives. And that is not at all an exaggeration. I'm not making this up. This will change your life tonight. It'll change my life if I get a hold of these things and realize what I'm missing out on. And uh, just, just bear with me here. There's some, some, some things that God has get, had to get through my head and things that God is working in my heart and mind that uh, I just so badly want to share with you. And, and I don't want to forget them, okay? Uh, we're so forgetful all the time. And uh, God will do a work in our heart, do a work in our life. We'll have something that we read in his word that just stands off the page to us. And then the next morning we wake up and it's like that never happened. And so I don't want that to be this tonight. Um, I'm thankful, so thankful for the opportunity to preach, and I'm thankful that this is going to be online, because I'm going (laughs) to, this is sad, okay? Uh, Sometimes I'll listen to messages that I have preached, not to critique myself, not to uh, puff myself up, but I'll listen to them because I need to be reminded of what God worked in my own heart and mind. Because I'm forgetful. I'm forgetful and we're prone to take the easy route. And that does not work if we want to be faithful disciples of Christ. And if we want to see God work in our lives, if we want to see amazing things through the hand of God in our life, uh, we need to be reminded of these things. And so, that's all well and good. Power of positive thinking. And we are supposed to think on good things, okay? Uh, God said that before any of these liberal psychiatrists ever came up with the idea, okay? We are supposed to think on good things. But truly, biblically thinking, as a Christian, will change your life. And it's changing mine. Just in this last week. It's crazy, I know. Um, I'm not talking about just having a biblical worldview, Okay? Having a biblical worldview and, 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 and looking at the world through a correct biblical lens is absolutely vital, but that's not what I'm talking about tonight. 
I'm not just talking about believing biblical principles either. We need to believe the principles of God's word and what God says. But that's not what I'm talking about exactly. What am I talking about? Well, that's what the rest of the message is about. First, we're going to do a little test. Let's find out if we are thinking biblically. Now, I can barely see how many are watching. I think maybe nine, eight or nine on there. Um, Let's do a test and see if we are thinking biblically. Are you ready for this test? You need to be honest with yourself, okay? And honest with God. He already knows your heart. Um, There are symptoms, okay? Just like with coronavirus, there are symptoms if we are not thinking biblically. Okay, so let's do this test. Let's do it together. If we're not thinking biblically, these are the symptoms. Number one, and I only have three, okay? Three main symptoms listed. Number one, do you feel like you're living the same week over and over and over in your Christianity? Do you? Have you ever felt that way? Have you felt like Monday through Friday, Monday through Friday, or Sunday to Saturday, again and again and again, and it's the same? in your Christian life. I'm not talking about your physical life and going to work, going to school, the things that you go through. I'm talking about your walk with Christ. Do you feel like you're stuck? Is it the same week in and week out? Secondly, do you feel prone to have a disconnect in your walk with God? Do you feel like it's so easy to drift and to be not close to the Lord? Um, Let me give you some examples on this one. We'll read God's word. And by the way, when I say that God has worked in my heart and life in this, he still is, okay? This is me. I failed this test, okay? Uh, We read God's word, okay? We're not missing out on our devotions. We read God's word. We internalize what it says. So we think about what it says and we put it inside. We hide God's word in our heart, so to speak, okay? We, we, We internalize it. But our lives are still full of strife, disappointment, discontentment, and discouragement. Is that you? Do you, although you read God's word regularly, although you even may internalize what it says, do you still find yourself having all kinds of strife and discouragement and discontentment in your life? Then you're not thinking biblically. Number three... Are you struggling with sins such as selfishness, frustration, lust, or covetousness? Aren't we all? Okay? These are things that we deal with, but guess what? They're symptoms of a greater cause. In the the walk in life of a believer, those sins are symptoms of, guess what? We're not thinking biblically. And thinking biblically will transform your life. If you answered yes to any of the above statements, then odds are you aren't thinking biblically. Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. I'd like to read to you a couple of verses, starting in verse number 14, okay? So Matthew 17, verse 14. This message tonight is all about thinking biblically. Matthew 17, And don't, don't mind me if, if I get a little misty, okay? Because this is some things that God has worked through 
in my life. Verse 14, Matthew 17. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic. <laughs> I had somebody, heard somebody say, uh, does anybody here have a, have a lunatic son? Anybody here can identify with this man? Your son's a lunatic, okay? Um, but this man's son, he was sore vexed, and oftentimes he falls into the fire and often to the water. Joking aside, this man's son uh, was in trouble, okay? He was, he was possessed. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. They couldn't do it. Jesus' disciples could not cure this man's son. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil. This man was demon-possessed. Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Jesus cured that man, okay, that young man, but the disciples couldn't do it. Why? Then came the disciples to Jesus apart, meaning separately. They came to Jesus and said, why, why couldn't we cast him out? Why, why couldn't we do it? And Jesus says this, because of your unbelief. Do you know that you and I, we might not some, meet somebody who has a demon-possessed son, okay? But we have all kinds of, of, of spiritual mountains in our life that God says we can move, but we don't. And they are still there. Mountains of strife, anxiety, fear, depression, discouragement, a lack of motivation, a lack of moving forward. All of these things are symptoms of somebody who is not thinking biblically. Why, why do I show you this passage about unbelief? Because thinking biblically, really, is synonymous with true faith. At one point, you came to Christ. At one point, I came to Christ, recognizing my sin and said, Lord, save me, forgive me. And that saving faith was real. I trusted that if I called upon Jesus, that he would save me. And that faith saved me, that faith in Jesus. Jesus saved me because I called upon him. It wasn't just some kind of intellectual assent. It wasn't just believing that Jesus died but it was knowing that he died for me and that if I called upon him, as his word says, that he would forgive me. We all had, if we're a believer here tonight, had that saving faith. That same faith is supposed to be the faith that we live by. We're eternally saved. It doesn't depend upon us. It depends upon God. If we've called upon him and trusted in Jesus as our savior. But for some reason, you and I, and, and this is a big I, okay? We put all of our faith, true faith, real faith in Christ to save us, and then living from day to day, it's just kind of like going through the motions. We tend to do this. Just like the disciples trying to cure this demon-possessed man. They couldn't do it. Why? Because of their unbelief. And then Jesus says, 
in verse number 20. I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say to this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. So can I fly like Superman? Okay, that's one of my dreams to be able to do that. Uh, not on this side of heaven, but uh, that's not what this is talking about, okay? It's talking about the mountains that we face spiritually. There's all kinds of mountains out there. And we just, we run into them, and we run into them, and we run into them. And we do not have faith. Really, we don't have real faith that we can remove them. And so that's what I'm going to talk about tonight. There is power in thinking biblically. In other words, there is power in having true biblical faith. So, okay, I understand, Dan, that I, I guess I'm not thinking biblically all the time. How in the world do I think biblically? How do I change from not being able to move mountains in my life spiritually how do I change from having this difficulty and that difficulty, moving from one problem to the other, repeating the same? It's like you're stuck in a loop spiritually in your walk with Christ. How do I get out of that? That's what we're going to talk about. Number one, let your faith act. Let your faith act. As I said, thinking biblically is synonymous with real faith. The reasons I phrase it, thinking biblically, is first to jar us, to, to, to get us out of that um, a, a faulty understanding of faith. You and I have a faulty understanding of faith, oftentimes. We can, we, we can get to the point where we, we, we have the idea that faith is just wishful thinking. Well, maybe, maybe someday, you know, I can, I can get over this, this besetting sin. Maybe someday I can... Uh, you know, love my wife and kids. Maybe someday I can be the man that God has called me to be. Maybe someday God will use me. Um, maybe, maybe I'll be able to someday uh, cure, this, cure this boy, this lunatic son of, of, of the demons that are possessing him. That's not real faith. That's unbelief. That's not real biblical thinking. Uh, and, and it's not just belief either. James says, and I might be getting ahead of myself here, but James says that faith without works is what? Dead as a doornail. And we might cheer that and say, yes, you know, you need to, you need to uh, trust in Christ as your Savior. You need, to, you need to live out your faith. But, but when the rubber meets the road, our faith is nothing but wishful thinking and internalized belief without living it. And, and, and this is what the Lord has been challenging me with lately. What is faith? Hebrews says that faith, or this is, this, is, this is Dan, this is not Hebrews, okay? It's not wishful thinking, and it's not just belief. But Hebrews says faith is what? Evidence. It's evidence. And it's substance. Something tangible. Something you can see. Something you can feel. Hebrews says that's what faith is. Um, and it's dead without works. Secondly, uh, faith is bound up in our hearts and minds. Did you know that? Faith uh, is something that 
we need to exercise. And it's bound up in our hearts and minds. This is another reason why I use the phrase thinking biblically, to jar us from our faulty understanding of faith, to look at it differently. And secondly, Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. If you think that you can't do that, okay, and this is not power of positive thinking. This is power of faith. This is not name it and claim it, but this is power of believing God's word and living like it, believing God's word and acting upon it. Um, and if I sound like I have a bit of a fire lit under me, it's because God's been putting me through the ringer. <laughs> He's been working in my life. I've been seeing things um, in my life that, that I need to change. And I've been convicted that I am not acting upon true faith. I'm just letting it slide in my Christian life. Don't do that. We're missing out on God's blessing. We're missing out on God using us. We're missing out on moving mountains because our faith is just internal. And we don't live like we believe what we say we believe. Faith isn't just asking. It's not just asking. Turn back to Matthew 7. We're in Matthew 17. Turn back to Matthew 7 for a second here. Matthew chapter number 7. And look at verse 7. Jesus says, ask, and it shall be given you. All right, so um, we tend to stop there, you know? What is your prayer life like? Well, we ask God for stuff, and that's it. We stop there. We do. There's two more thirds to this passage. Sure, we ask, but we don't seek. We don't seek, and we don't knock. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Do you know what that means? That in our Christian life, our relationship with God should not just be like, God, help me with this. God, help me to get through this. God, please answer this prayer and this prayer and this prayer. But it means we need to get up. We need to seek. Seek the Lord. We need to knock. We need to do what he has asked us to do. We need to put action to the faith that we say we have. This has just revolutionized my thinking because we tend to just, as humans, take the easy route. Um, you know, we'll talk about how for a believer, or sorry, we'll talk about for a lost person, that if they just have uh, intellectual belief, quote unquote, up here, you know, 18 inches between your head and your heart, that, that that's not saving faith. That's just, okay, yeah, I believe Jesus really existed. I believe he died on the cross. I believe he died for the sins of the world. But it's not saving faith. It's not in your heart. But for us as Christians in our day-to-day -day lives, we're roughly guilty of the same thing. In our faith, in what this book says. In our faith, in the promises of God. If we really had faith in the promises of God like we say we do, like I say that I do, the Bible says we could move mountains. 
the Bible says that we can be free from uh, all of these different things that Satan has just trapped us in, snared us in. Um, let me give you an illustration, okay? Um, actually, before I do, let me say one more thing. Um, if we're missing out on two out of the three things, asking, seeking, knocking, if all we're doing is asking, it's no wonder that we are struggling and stuck and sad. God wants us to act. Um, okay. How many of you guys, um, you, you have a kid, or you know somebody, or maybe you did this yourself. This is one of my pet, pet peeves with, with Evan. Evan, can you come over here, buddy? If I say, Evan, come here. How many of you guys have ever had a son or a daughter that just says, what? They don't come. Okay, stop right there. Okay, he's not on the screen yet, all right? So, for illustration, if I say, if I say Evan, okay, now Evan, I want you to yell what really loud so they can hear you in the microphone. What? Did you guys hear that? <laughs> okay. Uh, if I say Evan and he just says what, this is, a, this is an illustration to parallel that he's not, he's not really acting upon what I tell him to do. If I say, Evan, come here, and he says, what? He's going to miss out on whatever I want him to come here for. We do this with God. God will say, in effect, okay, just symbolically here, he'll say, fill in the blank, believer, come here, I want to show you something. I want to show you something in my word. I want you to go and, 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 and witness to this person or do this thing. And in effect, we're just like Evan. Okay, you can come a little bit on the screen, buddy, so they can see you, okay? In effect, we'll say, instead of obeying, we'll be like Evan here, and we'll just be like, what? Instead of, <laughs> instead of actually coming. Because I'll say, Evan, come here, and he'll say, what? <laughs> All right, let's, let's do this again. Okay, Evan, stand up. Okay. Now him, okay, you can stand right there just so they can see you. Uh, him coming and sitting down will equal obedience, all right? All right, Evan, if I have something for you, okay? If I have something for you. If I have something for Evan. And I say, I say, Evan, come here. And he says what? Just say what? Look at the camera, buddy. What? Look at the camera. What? <laughs> Do you guys tell he's getting a little bit agitated here because he knows what he knows what I have? Okay. <laughs> if you knew that I was calling you to come here to give you this, would you probably come right away? If I knew. If you if he knew, okay? Alright, Evan, come sit down. Okay, this this symbolizes obedience. And then he can receive the blessing. Thank you, buddy. You're <laughs> okay, you can, you can go sit down. All right, so he would miss out on that blessing. We do the same thing. We say we have faith, but we stand there and say, what, God? And we don't act. We don't put feet to the faith that we say we have. Secondly, 
Lauren, can you come here? She was probably hoping that she would be able to. All right. Stay right there. Move back a little bit off the screen, okay? Now, Lauren doesn't really like like Fortnite like the boys do, okay? So I got this little Walmart cart for her. All right, so she's getting excited. If if I if Okay, Lauren, come over come over here on this side of the microphone. Come on around. Come on around. I want you to be close to the microphone. Okay, come over here. Okay, say something in the microphone. Say say can I have one too? Can I have one too? Okay. If she if if she wants to have what quote unquote God has for her. If I want to have what God has for me, if she wants to get what daddy has for her and she asks for it, guess what? She needs to come and get it. She needs to reach out her hand. Wink wink. She needs to reach out her hand. She needs to reach out her hand and take it. What do you say? Thank you. <laughs> okay. Thank you, baby girl. You can go sit down. She needs to reach out her hand and take it. This is equivalent to seeking and knocking. All we do is the first one. We just ask. And we're missing out on what God has for us. Let me illustrate this idea in the area of reading God's word. Just checking the time. Um, when we read God's word, when you read God's word, when I read God's word, do you ever feel, be honest now, do you ever feel like reading God's word is a homework assignment? How many of you hated homework when you were growing up? Or maybe you still do, okay? Put a, put a raised hand in the comments section if that's you. That's me. I hate, 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 well, hated homework. I still kind of do. Reading this book should not feel like a homework assignment to us. It should not feel like a duty. It should not feel like a drudgery. In the first psalm, the man that is blessed, the Bible says, he delighteth in the law of God. And in his law he doth meditate day and night. He delights in it. Reading God's word should not feel like a homework assignment, but if it does, odds are we're not thinking biblically. We don't have true, true faith as a believer. We don't have true faith in what God says in his word, because if we did, if we did, and I'm speaking for myself, if we had true faith in what this book says, we would not feel like it's a homework assignment to read. We would be scouring its pages for the promises of God and how our lives can be changed today in the way that we live out our life and let Christ live out his life through us. Having victory over sin, having victory over worry, having victory over all these other things. How do we, how do we not... You say, you say, okay, I kind of do. I kind of feel like maybe sometimes that it's a duty. I kind of feel like uh, it, it, it can be a homework assignment kind of a feeling. 
that if that's you, that's me too, okay? I've felt that way and do feel that way, and guess what? It's a symptom. It's a symptom of not having real faith in what this book says. So how do we get out of that? How do we get over that? We need to love it. We need to love God's word. We need to value it. We need to cherish it. We need to obey it. We need to place value upon God's word in our life. If it's held off until the last minute to read and just skim through like a homework assignment, do you think that we put much value upon God's word? If when the pastor's preaching and we're just, is he over yet? The line of Cracker Barrel's getting long. If we're doing those things, it's a symptom. It's a symptom of not having true biblical faith in what this book says. Yes, we're saved. We're on our way to heaven. Christ is our Savior. Our sins are paid for. They're gone. But we're living a defeated life because we don't place real value on what this book says. We should live it out. We should, we, we should look for ways to show your faith by your works. And now, in our lives, you probably have loved ones either in your family or, 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 or something, okay? Think of that loved one. In your relationship with that loved one, how do you change that relationship to be more substantial? Okay, maybe it's a husband-wife relationship. Maybe it's a father-son relationship. Mother-daughter, fill in the blank. How do you make that relationship better? Well, you do it by placing value upon that other one. You do it by investing in the life of that other one. You do it by cherishing that other one and holding it close, him or her. It's the same thing with God's word. If we don't cherish it, our relationship is going to grow stale. If we don't cherish it, if we don't have real value that we have placed upon God's word, it's not going to mean as much to us. And our relationship with God, because this is how he speaks to us today, our relationship with God is going to become wavy. Okay, We're still saved, we're not going to lose our salvation, but we're going to be living a, a sad life, a discouraged life, a life where there's mountains all around you that aren't moving, and you're just stuck. And I'm not saying this because anybody else, I'm saying this because of me. I'm saying this because God convicted me of these things in the last couple of weeks, okay? Very recently. Have you ever learned some new skill that you couldn't wait to show people? You know, some kind of great thing. Like maybe you just learned to ride a bike. Or maybe you, you know, got a new motorcycle or something. Or I got to get out of this, uh, this kind of illustration. Uh, you got a new computer that you wanted to show somebody, okay? Um, or you learned how to do something, uh, something that you wanted, to, you, you wanted to show them. That's how we should feel about the Bible. We should be eager to learn what God has for us and how he can change our life today. We've come to believe the lie of the devil just subconsciously now. We don't believe it, you know, in the forefront of our mind, but subconsciously in the back of our mind, Satan wants us to devalue this book and devalue the promises of God. 
we should be learning. We should be learning what God has for us. Not just in an intellectual fashion, not just in an academic fashion, not just in a scholarly or theological fashion, but in a way that we want God to work and change our lives tonight. And he can do it just as real as the salvation of your soul changed your life forever in a moment. Walking with God and believing his promises and acting like you believe it can change your life almost as much as when God saved your soul. Now that's, that's preeminent. That's the most important. But as a Christian, your walk with God, your life should be changing every day. Closer to the Lord. Moving more mountains. Conquering a besetting sin through the power of Christ, through the power of God's word. Walking with God. And yet, we're kind of passive. We want God to do it all for us, and so we just kind of, you know, we believe in our minds, but we don't seek and we don't knock. Our faith is dead. Not our, not, not our salvation, okay, we're saved. But in our Christian lives, if we're not acting upon the faith we say we have, our faith is worthless. We're living as do the Gentiles, to borrow the biblical wording, okay? Um, we're living carnally. Um, how many of you have ever used Google or YouTube for a tutorial to try and fix something, to try and figure something out? Uh, our lawnmower was messed up, our dryers messed up, just different stuff, and the very first thing we do is we Google it to see if we can find a solution you know, YouTube, to try and figure out how we can fix stuff. That's how I ended up putting my motorcycle together, and there's parts that I still don't know what in the world to do, but I've learned things by Googling and going on YouTube. Why am I saying this? Do you watch it, that tutorial on how to fix your washer, and just say, okay, that tutorial served its purpose, put it down, and go your way, as if nothing ever happened? No, you don't do that. You're looking to change something. You're looking to act. You're looking to learn something that you can implement. You're looking to fix something, to put it into action, to improve something, and you immediately put that thing into practice that you learned on that YouTube tutorial. That's what God's word should be like for you and for me. And for some reason, we don't treat it that way. We treat it like some kind of history book. It's all academic. It's all just some nebulous idea floating around that does not affect you and me right now in the muck of our lives that we deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. God wants us to be above all of those things. The things that we struggle with like worry and anxiety and fear. God wants us to, 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 to find the solution in his word and implement it in our lives. Is this convicting to you? Because it is to me. It still is to me. But that doesn't make it any less true. We need to be doing this in our Christian lives. All right, so my first point. It was a long one. Let your faith act. Let your faith act. My second point, which is shorter, and my third point, which is even shorter than that, uh, are forthcoming. So, number two, don't think, trust actively. Don't think, trust actively. Jesus said in Matthew 6, turn back a page to Matthew 6. 
verse number 27. Matthew 6, verse number 27. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to his stature? Taking thought has the idea of worrying, but it, it, it has more of an aspect of even just, just thinking about that thing. I'm thinking about consciously how I'm so short, okay? Five foot, was five foot nine at one point, I don't know, five foot eight, five foot seven, somewhere in there, it seems to be decreasing. Can I add one cubit to my stature by worrying about it? And so we need to let our faith act. And then secondly, we need to not think, but on the contrary, we need to trust actively. What if Evan... Evan, come here, buddy. What if I gave Evan that card? Come here, buddy. Yeah, grab the card. If you're like me, you're a visual learner. You got it. You got to see it and hear it, and it'll help. All right, sit down. What if Evan gets the card? Okay, I give the card to him, and he's worried whether or not it'll work. Okay, act worried. Come on, I've seen you make crazy faces, dude. Act worried. <laughs> there you go. Okay. All right, so what if I gave Evan that card and he was worried if it would work and so he doesn't try it? Would you ever do that? Because you're afraid of disappointment. It might not work. It might be a stolen card or something or a bootleg card that, that daddy got off of eBay or something and it might not work. And so I'm worried about it. You might say, that's silly. That's a silly thing. Turn to Philippians chapter 4. Keep your finger in Matthew, okay? Turn to Philippians chapter 4. Thank you, buddy. Okay. Philippians. <laughs> Philippians chapter number 4. Okay. You all might know where I'm going with this, okay? Philippians chapter 4, look at verse 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. You might say, you know what? I've done that. I've prayed. I've casted my care upon God. I've said, Lord, take care of this. I'm scared about this. I'm worried about this. And I've casted it upon him. And then I worry. Just like Evan. Do you know what? That's another symptom. If you are casting your care upon God, and just casting it upon him, and then you find yourself worrying again. Do you know what that means? And this hurts. This hurts me. Do you know what that means? Because it's convicting. It means you haven't really casted. If you find yourself worrying, and sometimes we need to cast those things multiple times. I understand that. But if you have casted all of your care upon God, and then you take it back up again and you're worrying, and you're fearful, you can mark it down. You haven't really cast it. You haven't done it. God's word can change our lives 
We just need to take the step of faith to act upon what he says we should do. Back to Matthew chapter 6. Back to Matthew chapter 6. That first part there is that we should not take thought, take no thought. How can you add one cubit to your stature by taking thought? We shouldn't take thought, but we should rest. We should be still. We should know that he is God and just, and just rest in that. I gave Evan that card. If he had faith that the card that daddy gave him was going to work, he wouldn't worry about it. And yet you and I, we, we toil, we fear, we worry. This is my, my nail-biting. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing, okay? We fear, we worry, but we don't rest. We don't rest in our Creator. Jesus says if we come unto Him, that we'll find rest unto our souls. Give it to Him. Really give it to Him. And you'll have rest that you never had before as a believer. Secondly, take no thought, but seek. Matthew 6, again, and verse number 33. A familiar verse. Matthew 6, verse 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Don't worry. Don't fear. Don't be anxious. But rest in the Lord. And secondly, don't worry, don't fear, don't be anxious, don't take thought. But on the contrary, seek the Lord. Seek what God says in his word. Fill that void because Satan's going to immediately, and your flesh is going to want to immediately Fill it up with worry, fear, anxiety, doubt. If we're seeking the Lord actively, our brain and our heart doesn't have time to worry or fear. Okay? Um, Seth, come here, buddy, and bring your card with you, okay? Thanks for bearing with me with this. Okay? I gave Seth a card earlier. What if I ask Seth to come to me? Okay, Seth, stand right over here. Okay, just on the edge of the camera. No, just on the edge so they can see you, okay? Duck down a little bit, you're too tall. Okay, all right. So what if I say, Seth, come here, you know, and I have this thing for him, okay? <clears throat> and he's worried and he's fearful of trying to strategize how he can come to me, you know, um, and, and, and he doesn't want to try because he's too nervous to come to daddy. Maybe I'm intimidating. Am I intimidating sometimes? No. <laughs> okay. But if he was, he'd miss out on this blessing. Worry and fear will paralyze you in the Christian life so that you don't move forward and act upon what God has told you to do in his word. Okay. Thank you, buddy. Um, how do I know if I'm seeking or not? How do I know if I'm seeking the Lord or not? Okay. Um, this is a convicting question. Are you okay with where you are in your relationship with the Lord? I'm not talking about the circumstances of life. I'm not talking about what's going on in your life. I'm talking about you and the Lord. Are you okay with where you are with you and the Lord? If you are, guess what? It means you're not seeking. Philippians chapter 3, 
and verse number 13 says this. And this is Paul. This is the guy that penned multiple books of the New Testament. He says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. Verse 13 of Philippians 3. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. I haven't arrived. He wasn't okay where he was in his relationship with Christ. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before. He's reaching. He wants what God has for him. He's acting upon his faith. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore as many... um, Let's get down to verse number 16. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule and mind the same thing. Paul didn't feel like he had arrived. You and I should never feel like we've arrived. We shouldn't be uh, content with where we are in our relationship with God because if we are, it means that we're not seeking, period. And that's a convicting thing for this guy right here. All right, lastly, my last point. He made it. (laughs) Number one, just to review, let your faith act. Number two, don't think, but trust actively. We need to rest in God. We need to seek God, okay? Trust actively. And then number three, lastly, Expect and live like God is working. Expect and live like God is working. We shouldn't say that we have faith and then live the same. If we say that we have faith, we should live. I'm not talking about self-righteousness. I'm not talking about even standards. I'm talking about believing what God says in his word about how we can have victory in our lives over Frustration, selfishness, worry, doubt, lust, covetousness, and the mountains that surround us. That we can have victory over those things. If we say we have faith in those things, we should live and expect for God to work. If we don't, James says our faith is dead. If you had a literal meeting with Jesus, a literal meeting with Jesus every morning, Okay, he appears bodily and you guys have coffee together and he expounds to you God's word. And you had a literal meeting with Jesus every morning. Would your days, weeks, and months, and years be the same? Would you continue in the same rut in your Christian life? I doubt it. Then why in the world do we find ourselves in that rut when we have his word right here in front of us? And the Spirit of Christ, the Bible says, is within you, if you're a believer. We have the opportunity to have a meeting with Jesus anytime, anywhere. Middle of the night when you can't sleep. In the afternoon, on your way to work, while you're eating breakfast. You can have a meeting with Jesus anywhere. And it should be changing our lives. If you lived worried, okay, let this sink in. If you live worried, you will never be free. If you live defeated, you will never have victory. If you believe you'll never change, you won't. If you don't expect God to speak to you through his word, 
he won't. If you don't ask, you won't receive. If you don't seek, you will never find. If you don't knock, it won't be opened. We need to act upon our faith that we say we have. Let's change. Let's do it. Let's do it together. I'm going to be making an altar right here, symbolically speaking, for myself. Okay? There's no altar call. There's no come forward invitation. But I'm going to be making, making an altar right here because I want to change. I'm sick of being in a rut spiritually. I'm sick of not being able to move the mountains that God says in his word that we should be able to move. The mountains of unbelief, unforgiveness, selfishness, lust, covetousness, frustration, worry, doubt, fear. I'm going to make an altar right here. You can make one where you're seating. <clears throat> where you're sitting at home. I'm sick of living to survive. I'm sick of, of, of just staying afloat. God created us to thrive, to thrive, and to soar above all of those circumstances. It's not going to change the circumstances in our life. We can't change what happens to us, but we can change how we react and that way that we react can be an amazing powerhouse of faith that God can use to bless us and to use us to bless others as we allow the Spirit of Christ to truly have control and to live through us. This is not saying that anything that you and I do can change our circumstances, okay? It's simply having real biblical faith. Faith that's not dead, but faith that acts upon what we say we believe. When we read this book, we should expect God to change our lives every time. I don't do that. Do you? We should. We should. Let's expect God to revive us, and he will. You see, we are just so passive in this Christian life but we shouldn't be. I have one passage that I'm going to share with you in closing. Luke 22, verse 31 and 32. It says this, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith, this is everything we've talked about, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Do you know Satan wants to sift you as wheat? He wants you to be stuck in the motions. He wants you to be like in a dryer, just tumbling over and over and over and over, not getting anywhere in your Christian life. He already lost your soul. He wants to immobilize you. He wants to make you stagnant. He wants to make you ineffective. He wants your faith to be as good as dead. But Jesus, Jesus wants us to have faith 
that does not fail when the adversity comes. And that faith that does not fail pushes through the obstacles with the power of God. It's not a faith that's passive. I'm going to go ahead and pray. And you be praying where you are. Let's let God change our lives. Let's seriously put our money where our mouth is, so to speak. Let's live like we have the faith that we profess. And God can change our lives tonight. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for everything that you've done for us. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you have given us power to witness, power to be bold, power to say no to the world, the flesh, and the devil, power to, uh, through faith, give our cares to you and let them go, power to not worry, power to not fear, power to be content, power to get through discouraging times, power to be illuminated by your word and not just to read like we would read the newspaper. Lord, I pray that you would jar us out of this stagnant, passive Christianity. Work in our lives. Give us victory over the sins and things that we struggle with and revive us, Lord. Help this week to be the first week that perhaps we've broken through the struggle of repetitiveness that we've had in our Christian life. Breathe life into our Christian walk with you, Lord. Fill us with your spirit. We confess and we repent. We ask for your forgiveness, that you would forgive our selfishness, caring about ourself in this flesh and our own desires more than we care about your word, Lord, I pray that you would help us to think biblically, to have real faith, that when we read these words, that they are something that we want to act upon in our lives, and that we're looking for ways that we can live out our faith today. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the New to Jesus podcast. You can go to our website, New to Jesus.com. That's new, the number two, Jesus.com. If you'd like to find me on social media, you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Daniel Bergman99. And if you'd like to rate and review this podcast on iTunes, that helps us to get in front of more people to help them take their first steps as new believers in Jesus.